0: As you dive into this teaching from High Point Church, we pray that it will help you grow in your faith as you believe in, belong to, and become more like Jesus. If these messages bless you, would you consider giving back in support of this ministry? You can give and learn more about High Point at www.highpoint.church. I wanna begin by sharing three stories that you may have heard about recently as these are some heroes over the past six months. First, let me introduce you to Joe Hilton. Joe, he drives for Purdue Farms. He was driving down Highway 1 in Delaware, and he ran across an accident. And he stopped and got him at his truck because there was a guy who was running down, and he said, and he stopped and said, I can't find my daughter. And so once Joe looked into the car and saw the empty car seat, He got his flashlight and he began searching the marshy area right alongside the road. And to his surprise, he saw this hand reaching up and this little girl, two years old, without a scratch, and he picked her up and he went over and went to the dead and he handed her back to the dead. Then catch this, he just got into his truck and he drove away. That's a hero. Second, let me introduce you to a Vietnam War veteran. He's 70 years old. He's actually struggling and battling cancer. And he was walking his granddaughter to school, to the bus stop. And this is down in Salem, Illinois. And all of a sudden he saw some flames or some smoke at a house down the road. And so he dropped his granddaughter off and ran over to the house only to find that it was burning in flames. He tried to get through the front door, couldn't, so he wedged the garage door and broke into the house. Don't we need neighbors like this? And then what he did was he ran up the stairs and he rescued the family that was upstairs. He tried to get them out through the garage, but it was burning now, and so he ushered them through another entrance. Joe's a hero and so is Marshall. And Thirdly, here's another story. You may have heard of this one. His name is Bridger and Bridger is a six-year-old boy from Wyoming, and he stepped in front of a German shepherd dog that was attacking his sister. And so Bridger Walker, just this little kid, just stepped in front, and as you can see on the screen, he took the brunt of the attack. And his dad asked him after, he said, well, man, I'm so thankful you did, but what was going on here? Why did you do it? And And he just responded, This little kid, if somebody was gonna die that day, I thought it should be me. Heroes. What makes a hero? I don't know about you, but I've been reflecting and thinking about that, and I think they have what I call the awe factor. They are available, they're willing, and they're empowered with something outside of themselves to do something extremely incredible, not the ordinary, to help other people in need. That's what I want to talk to you about. If you have a Bible, do this. Open it up to Judges chapter four. You've already seen we're starting our new summer series. It starts right now. We're going to be looking at characters in the Old Testament, and it's called heroes. We're talking about everyday heroes. And so over the summer months, we're going to turn to some familiar characters, some not familiar ones, and I want to challenge us to be as available and as willing as they were so that we can be empowered to do things that are outside of our realm of reality because of the God that we worship. Oh boy, I think we're going to have trouble at this service if we couldn't get riled up on that one. We are being called to do some things outside of ourselves because we can be the everyday heroes. And so we're going to start with one of my favorites. Her name is Deborah, and she was empowered with discernment to judge. And so I wanna give you the seven characteristics of a discerning person, because I think you'll agree with me on this one. Are we ready? We need discernment in our day. Who would agree with me? Just give me a hand raise. I mean, applause is right. We need discernment. For those in the balcony, too. Man, we need discernment in our homes and in our individual lives. And we need discernment in our schools with all that's happening. I mean, we need discernment in our communities. We need discernment in the church. God, God grant us discernment that we would be the people that you desire. And we need discernment in our world. We're living in a day where there is a great need of discernment and that's why we're starting with Deborah but I'm going to push it on you because I just want you, as we read through this story, and maybe you've been here before, I want you to read through it and ask yourself the question, as I, am I as discerning as she is? As you look at these characteristics, because if anyone's going to bring the discernment this world needs to other people, it's the church. That's our role and responsibility that we would provide discernment to other people, and I don't know about you, but one thing that COVID has shown me about the church is that we're a bit weak and we're spiritually lacking in discernment with some of the ways we respond and some of the things we do. And so I'm owning it too, man. We need discernment. If you agree with me, give me a round of applause. We need discernment. And so let's take a look at the characteristics so that we can grow as people who are discerning. First one is this. Discerning people are sought out by others. So that's what we see happening in the text in Judges chapter four. I'm gonna start in verse one. It paints the picture of the backdrop of what was happening. Verse one says that the people of Israel, again, they did what was evil in the sight of the Lord. So three times you'll see this phrase. We see it here in chapter four. You'll see it again in chapter six. It comes up again in chapter 13 that the people were evil. They were going against what God wanted. They weren't doing what he desired. And then the whole book summarized. Maybe you've heard this phrase. It's repeated often too. It's the last verse in the book of Judges which is a horrific description of what's happening at that time. And it says, and the people did what was right in their own eyes. Anybody agree that that phrase could describe what we're experiencing right now? That that's what we're living in. And people are doing what they think is right. Their own truth, my truth, my my reality. We're living in a time where we need discernment. Now, just so there's proper context of this book, please understand that it's a 450-year period in between Joshua's conquest of the promised land and the coming kings of Saul and David and Solomon. Like that 400-plus years. I mean, think of that time span. It's like that's a lot more than even our own country. That's a long time for people to just do what was right in their own eyes. But this period that we're looking at is when Deborah, this woman, stood up. And and so what did she do? Well, we learned much about her. Take a look with me at verse two. We learned three important details. Deborah was a prophetess, and so that's what she was. And so she was the first prophet since Moses. There was only one of three women prophets in the Old Testament. She is one of them. And, And then... It says she was the wife of Labadoth. And so here we find out that we see her husband, we see his name, but we don't know anything about this guy. It's kind of like Dolly Parton's husband. No, nothing about that guy. Or how about Kamala Harris's husband? I'm like, I don't know anything about this guy. Like, we know nothing about him, only the fact that his name literally means thunder. He's like a flame, he's like lightning. So that leads me to believe that I think he might have went to Wheaton College and played football. Just saying. That joke played a lot better an hour ago when I said it at our Wheaton location. And people erupted in laughter. People here are like, is there a college in Wheaton? I I didn't know. But what else do we learn about her? Probably the most important fact. She was judging Israel at that time. So I've already told you about the period. It's 40 years within an awful situation. And she was the fourth judge for 40 years. She came from Ephraim. She's a woman of discernment. Verse five tells us, I love this about her. So talk about great remote workspaces. How about a palm tree with your name on it? Am I the only one? I mean, that's what it said. She used to sit under the palm of Deborah between Ramah and Bethel in the hill country. And, and here it is, the people of Israel came to her for judgment. So they sought her out. They came to her. They flocked to her like bees on honey, man, because she had discernment. So let's get a working definition of discernment. You're gonna find this extremely helpful. It's from dictionary.com. And it says, discernment is the faculty of discerning. And then if you're not sure what that is, it says the act or instance of discerning. Don't you hate that? You go to the trouble of looking it up. What does it mean? The word that I don't know what it means, I'm looking it up and they're using the word I don't know to describe something. I, I just hate that. I'm sorry. So I went to the Oxford Dictionary and the Oxford Languages and it took me a while, but I found this, which I think is fitting to our context with Deborah. Discernment is the ability to judge well. I mean, that's what she did. She judged well in her season, in her time. People came to her and she rightfully used God's word and his spirit to, to judge other people and to provide the leadership that they needed in the nation with the people of Israel. I mean, it's an incredible thing. Ruth Haley Barton, she gives us this definition of discernment. It's from her book, Pursuing God's Will. She writes, discernment in a most general sense is the capacity to recognize and respond to the presence and the activity of God, both in the ordinary movement and in the larger decision of our lives. So notice what she's doing. She's making the case, which I wanna embrace, that discernment doesn't happen apart from God, no discernment that we're talking about in the church that we wanna to bring to others, that we need in our families, that we need to deal with the things that are around us. It's spiritual discernment that happens with God, not apart from God. That we need to look at his word and, and by his spirit to follow his guidance. And it doesn't, it's not this, it's not discernment isn't, this is not what I'm talking about. It, Deborah it isn't that she knew the entire Old Testament and all the facts, and all the figures, and, and she was some Bible scholar. That, that's not the discernment that we're speaking about either. It's not about the facts about God. It's the experience with God that gives spiritual discernment. And that's what we're seeking. And that's what we need. Man, discernment, it's like ice cream on a hot summer day. I mean, everybody wants a scoop. I, I need discernment. It feeds us. She goes on to say this about spiritual discernment in her book, A Discernment Practice for Leadership Groups. She writes, spiritual discernment is the ability to distinguish or discriminate between good, that which is of God and draws us closer to him, and evil, that which is not of God and draws us away from him. Again, we're seeing that's the discernment we're looking for. Second characteristic is I challenge you, are you, are you, are are we discerning people? Because our world needs this. And so discerning people they do this they assess the situation and they provide godly counsel and confirmation. That's what we're going to see Deborah doing next. One of the persons that comes up to her at her office the palm tree, she asks he asks her or he has a problem and he's looking for discernment. He's the commander Barak of the army. And so notice the tactic that she uses in verses 6 and 7 discerning people have a great ability to do this. They don't just give you the answer, they sometimes stop and ask you a question so that you'll think about it because you know the answer and answer it for yourself and then you own it. So that's what she does with this military leader. She asks us, has not the Lord, the God of Israel, commanded you already to go Gather your men at Mount Tabor and taking 10,000 from the people of Naphtali and the people of Zebulun and I will draw out Sisera, the general of Jabin's army, that's the commander of the Canaanite army, to meet you by the river with his chariots and his troops and I will give them into your hand. See, don't miss it. Deborah, what she was doing, she asked the question because she knew the answer because she knew that God had led him and she was just confirming what he already knew. He needed what? He needed her to not give him more information. He just needed her to confirm and to say. And sometimes that's all we need. It's like, man, yeah, that, that's what you need to do. That's what God's word says. And, and we need people to help us to, that's what you're called to do. Now here's a verse. I wanna slow down for a moment and give you a great verse that has provided a lot of help to my wife Jody and I. She's sitting here, and this is a verse that it's a kitchen, a refrigerator verse. First Thessalonians chapter five, verse 14. We learned this verse when we became believers. It's helped us to raise our kids and deal with other people. It provides the three types of people that need discernment. And then it's a great verse to memorize because it gives you how, what you need to do to be a discerning person to them. And the problem is when you mix the ways, which you'll see in a moment. So I want to slow down. I'm going to give it to you in three versions. I got an objective here because I want you to see this. 1 Thessalonians 5 verse 14 in the New King James Version says, now we exhort you, brethren, warn those who are unruly, comfort the fainthearted, uphold the weak, be patient with all. Do you see the three groups and how they're described? Let's look at how the NIV says it. And we urge you, brothers and sisters, warn those who are idle and disruptive, a couple different words here, encourage the disheartened, help the weak, be patient with everyone. Third verse from the ESV. This is the one that I'm using today. And we urge you, brothers, admonish the idol, encourage the faint-hearted, help the weak, be patient with them all. So let's identify the three groups of people that need discernment. And these are the people that you rub shoulders with. These are the people in your family. These are the people that you need to help. And so they're the rebellious, and they're described in the text. That's why I love the Bible. You say, man, you kind of, you're new here. Like, man, you use the Bible a lot. Yeah, we like that. These are good, helpful instructions to us that it says the rebellious are unruly, idle, they're disruptive. Then that, that it says, what are the second group? It's the discouraged. I mean, you can see this yourself right from the verse. And they're the faint-hearted and the disheartened. And then third group is what I would call the uninformed. And some would say the ignorant. Now, please, don't, you know, that's a good word, but we're not saying they're stupid or they're foolish. They, they just don't know what to do. Here in the text, in all three versions, they're described as weak. So what's the appropriate response? Well, first one is this. We're to rebuke the rebellious. That's what the verse tells us in the words, warn and admonish. We're to encourage the discouraged. That's what it means by comfort. And you see the word actually encourage. We're to three, inform the uninformed. That's what it means in the versions. It says to uphold and to help. And in all, all three versions, it says what? It says, and be patient with them all. But this is what happened. We lack discernment when we mix up how to respond with the wrong person. So have you ever tried to inform a rebellious person? I mean, it's just like okay—they're not doing what they know to do already. You giving them more instruction and laying it out for them—that's really not going to help. Or how about this? Have you ever tried to rebuke a discouraged person? <laughs> like, like you're on him, man. You're like, "Come on, man, let's go." Like, what are you doing? And and and. The whole reason they're not doing it isn't because they don't know what to do. They know what to do. They're just having trouble because they can't do it. They're discouraged for some reason and they're already beating themselves more up than you and you got a bat and you're beating them up more. Do you see how it fits together? And so this is extremely helpful to us to be discerning people. So let's take this situation from Judges chapter four. Barak. Deborah didn't rebuke him. Deborah didn't inform him like he didn't know what to do. Oh, you know, no, hold on. You got to take some more, you know, go over there and get some more troops and do this. And you know what? That's actually the wrong kind of guns that you need to use. And she she didn't do that. What did she do? She encouraged him. But because he knew what he was supposed to do, he was just not doing it. And for some reason, he was discouraged. Now, the text doesn't tell us, but we can. think to ourselves, and I don't think it's too far stretched to say, man, he must have lacked faith. And And he needed that confidence from her. So a discerning person knows how to respond to each person. Let's put that up one more time. How to respond to each person in each individual way. Helpful information? That's discernment next characteristic of a discerning person. Discerning people follow their own advice. I I love this about Deborah. Look what it says about her in chapters four, verses eight through 10. So this is kind of comical now, because Barak, he says to her, the commander, like this is the five-star general. He's like, well, okay, if you go with me, then I'll go. But if you will not go with me, then I won't go. I'm just not going to go if you don't go. It's almost like, I don't know, think about uh, General Norman Schwarzkopf. I mean, go back to the Gulf War and back in 1991. Can you imagine if he would have rang up then, soon to be, uh, Supreme Court Justice Ruth Bader Ginsburg and said, hey, Ruth, do you mind coming with me here? We just need your help. And could you come? And well, that sounds foolish. It's ridiculous. But but that's what's happening here. The commander of the army is asking her to go with him. Why? Well, because remember, he needed encouragement. So there was something, there was a lack of faith. He wasn't willing to take the step of faith that he knew God had, and he needed her to help him. And That's so true for each of us. So what did she do? Well, to emphasize the obvious, she said, oh, surely I'll go with you. Be there in a New York minute, man. I love this about her. She's like, come on, man, let's go. Okay, you want me to be there? I'll go with you. And then a discerning person knows when to add more wisdom. Here it's in the form of a prophecy. She says, nevertheless, the road on which you are going will not lead to your glory. I.e., the Lord's going to get to raise the W here. He's going to use you to do it. And then she says, Word of prophecy, which we'll get into in a little bit, it'll happen in the story. She's telling, but the Lord will sell Sisera, that's the other leader, into the hand of a woman. But then Deborah arose and she went. She went with Barry. See, discerning people, this is the leadership principle, please. If you're a leader, if you um, are responsible for management, uh, even leaders in our own homes, this is important information. As a leader, I'm never going to ask somebody to do something that I'm not willing to do myself. Isn't it true? I mean, that's what we want. I'm not going to ask you to do something that I'm unwilling to do. And that's true of Deborah. Here we see it model. She tells him to do it. And she's like, okay, you're not doing it. I'll go with you, man. I'll help you. I'll hold your hand. Let's go. And isn't, if I can slow down for a moment and share my heart, isn't that the trouble in the church right now? that there's too many names and faces and ministries that are coming to our mind where people are asking to do some stuff that they're not willing to do themselves from a stage or from a platform, and, and they're not practicing what they're preaching, and they're losing ministries, and they're imploding because they're not practicing what they preach, Maybe they're not doing what they once did. Maybe even this kind of leadership, I've never heard them talk about that at all, and maybe there's a reason why. See, duplicity, it's a muscle that's exercised over time. Understand this, duplicity, this idea, I'm, it's, it's a double life. You at the workplace, and you at home, and you over here, and you there. And duplicity is a muscle that's exercised over time. I mean, somebody doesn't wake up, a spouse, one morning, and say, hey, today's the day. I'm just cheating on her. Yep, cheating on him. That's what we're doing. I'm, I'm just going for it today and just out of the blue. And No, it, duplicity is a muscle that's exercised over time. And the crack in character becomes a crevice when it's not dealt with, and then it becomes a canyon that could implode a person and their ministry. I mean, I don't know about you, but it it saddens me. Please know, if I ask you guys, so thankful, thanks for sitting in the front row, could you invite eight of your friends to join you next week? (laughs) If I tell you guys, and I say to you, man, you gotta share your faith, man, the people around you, I know your guys' story, and man, your family, your relatives, you gotta get, please, I'm sharing my faith too. If if I say to you guys, I mean, front row, okay, kind of good. Better over here. If I say to you, hey, you know what? You guys right here are so good to have. Isn't it good to have people back in church? And, and it's so good. Yeah, let's praise the Lord for that. It's so good. Our, our, I need you to know our, our 915 service, man, it was pretty packed. I, and, and, and if I say to you, hey, you know what? Cross the road like the Good Samaritan. And, and help that person from another tribe that doesn't look like you, that comes from a different place, and they're in need, so you gotta help them. Please know, man, my conviction in my heart is I'm willing to do the same thing too. And then if I say to this section over here, I, man, you know what? You give back generously to the church. The Bible says in 2 Corinthians chapter 9 um, you know, that, that we would be, give back faithfully and that we would be, give back generously I don't know why I chose this section to say that. I'm just kidding. But know this, I, I, I'm giving back generously too. And, and see, the problem comes when, when we don't tell people and ask people to do the thing that we're doing or we're not willing to do what we should do. C.S. Lewis said this about integrity. I think it's a good word of warning for all of us. It says, integrity is doing the right thing when no one is watching man, that's something to think about. That when you're alone, when you're in your own space, when you got, you know, nobody's looking and like, like what are you doing? People of discernment, man, they, they follow their own advice. Next, we're talking about people with discernment they adapt to changing situations and circumstances. And we're seeing that right now. You've experienced it at school. You've experienced it if you're a kid at school or maybe a parent or a teacher. Man, you're just, you're pivoting everywhere. And, And in the business world, it's like we're constantly pivoting. Everything is looking different. Innovation change, it has to happen. You gotta get with it or you're gonna be in trouble is we've gotta learn how to innovate and change. We're pivoting in the church. We're not changing our mission. Please hear me. Our methods, they have to change. They will change. Now here in the text, they didn't have to pivot. They didn't have to change course like you and I often have to do. we got to look at our situation. They didn't because they were in the center of God's will and his desire. And so all they had to do was do it. And so look at Deborah, she digs her heels in, man. I love this about this woman. So Deborah says to Barak, Up, oh, for this is the day in which the Lord has given Sisera into your hand. Does not the Lord go out before you? Answer yes. He's gonna give you the victory, man. We're gonna raise the W because of him. And, and so Barak went down from Mount Tabor with his men, and look what it says next. The Lord routed Sisera, the enemy, and his chariots and all his army. And, and Sisera, he got down. This is important for what's coming next. He got off his chariot, and he ran by foot and fled and got away. But, but here we're seeing a pivot that was necessary in our own lives. They didn't have to, but we oftentimes do. Just ask Kodak. You've heard the story. 80% market share of the photographic film industry. I mean, they were just, man, they are the ones, and... I know you've heard the story. What happened? Well, they failed to pivot the business model and next thing you knew, digital, and and they filed bankruptcy in 2012. But what you don't know about that story is let me give you a name. His name was Stephen Sasson, Stephen J. Sasson. He was an engineer that had been with the company for years. And he actually came up with and developed the digital camera back in 1975. Are you hearing this? Way before the trend. And he went to management, and he told them what he thought they should do, and they didn't think it fit into the business plan. No, we got a cash cow going. They failed to pivot. Said all that to simply say this, man, there's times in the boardroom there's times at the kitchen table. There's times on the battlefield. Hey, man, there's times at the altar. We've got to pivot. We've got to pivot ourselves, and we've got to move in the direction that God is calling us. And one of the best ways to know when and how is through prayer. Matthew chapter 7, Jesus says it best. I'm going to read from the Amplified Version. He said, ask and keep on asking and it will be given to you. I.e., make yourself a nuisance with God when it comes to discernment. Just be a nuisance. Constantly bugging him. God, I need help with this. God, I need your plan. God, send somebody in my life. God, give me a bumper sticker. God, I need discernment. That's what Jesus is saying. And, And keep on seeking and you'll find. Knock and keep on knocking. The door will be open for you persistence pays when it comes to prayer. Can I get an amen? amen? God wants to meet your needs. Amen. And I don't think it's wrong to apply this to, he wants to meet your needs. He wants to give discernment. He wants, he wants what's best for his kids. He gives good gifts to his kids. That's why Jesus said, for everyone who keeps on asking and receives, and he who keeps on seeking, fine. And to him on keeps on knocking, man, it will be opened for you. That's the discernment we need. Discerning person, get back on track. We're talking about what does it look like to be a person of discernment. I'm challenging the church to stop pointing the finger at everybody else and say, am I a discerning person in how I respond and what I do and what I post for? Next one, discerning people seek the help of others. That's number five. So I I don't know what to do. I'm not sure. We need help from other people. Let me summarize Judges chapter four, verses 17 through 24. And it's almost like a scene now. I told you it was a gory, gruesome book. This is almost a scene from Kill Bill or something. I mean, this is what you're gonna see next. And I've never even seen that movie, honestly, but it sounds like it would be as gruesome. I've never seen it as what's coming next. And, and, And so what happens is, Sisera the, the the leader of the army he he escapes from Barak and so he goes and finds this tent of this woman jail and and she she reels him in he thinks she's helping him but she's really not and so she gains his trust by giving him some water by giving him a place to hide she's like yeah come on in man go hey right here and and then he falls asleep and so here's the gory part it, comes from I don't know the godfather or something she takes a tent peg and you know the story she puts it at the temple of his head and she just pounds it through his head and kills him I told you it was gory so I actually have a picture of a tent peg going through someone's head that I want to show you <laughs> you people are sick okay you some of you you're like yeah I want to see that and now that you think about it yeah I was thinking about yeah you better rent that again tonight I, hey, stop it I'm not showing, now that I have your attention. We need each other. If you don't hear anything else that I said today, hear this. In the Christian faith, in the Christian community, we need community with one another because apart from that, we will fail. We'll walk into some holes. We'll make some mistakes that could be deadly. We need the help of other people. No, I'm not saying, please, I'm not saying that, you know, you got a conflict with somebody, get a 10-peg. I'm not saying that. Although, it might not be bad to have some friends who have some 10-pegs. But in all seriousness, I, we need each other. Jody and I just met with a couple, uh, not, it was uh, pretty recently, and, and they came to us because, um, you know, They know about our kids, and so they're raising their kids, and we've dedicated their kids on this stage, and they're just a great couple, been with us since the beginning of the church, and it's just fun to see them growing together. And and their kid, one of their kids, a couple of them are really good athletes, and they're getting involved in sports, and they're trying to deal with the whole sports thing and the whole Christian thing and the whole other parents thing and the coach thing and all this stuff. And so they remember, they're like, you guys went through this. They would remember our kids used to be in the front row, and they'd come to the services. Jody will remember this, and, and they'd have their basketball uniform on or their soccer uniform and she'd be, you know, we'd be getting them to games. And so they're like, well, we need some help. We need some parenting advice on this. So they came to us. And after meeting with them for an hour and a half, honestly, I didn't really tell them, we didn't tell them anything that they didn't already know. But they're like, oh, thank you. Why were they like that? They just needed somebody, hear me. They just needed somebody to validate what they were feeling and experiencing in their context with their kids. So we didn't tell them to do anything different. We just validated what they were, saying. we were like, man, you're not crazy. It is a wild season. I'm telling you, there's light at the end of the tunnel. And don't we need people like that in our lives? That's the culture we want here at High Point. Man, some of us, I don't know, if you're like me as a parent and as a father and as a leader, man, I've paid a lot of stupid tax. And I, I don't want you to pay it either. And we got a lot of people like that in our church that can help us. Discerning people, man, we seek out help from other people. Now this is something that I tell you, some people just say, oh, like, you know, this is causes much confusion in the Christian community, I just, let me unwind this. Take a moment, grant me a little privilege here and a little grace. So somebody says, well, well, as a Christian, we're not supposed to judge. And there's so much misinformation that's happening with a statement like that. Because slow down for a moment. Are we supposed to judge as Christians? Yes and no. What do I mean? No, you're never to judge someone's motives. That's where you get in trouble. You don't know what their motives are. And so often we see people judging people's motives. You can only judge a person's actions. Does that make sense? I can't judge your motive. I can judge your action. And so Jesus, you know, he warned us, hey man, judge. He's not saying don't judge. He's saying, hey, be careful. If you're judging someone else, it's going to come back and bite you. You better hold yourself to the same standard. Look in the mirror. I mean, look at what Paul does. I mean, he's judging the church all the time. And he's judging well. And so As Christians, we are called to help each other, to counsel each other, to be there with each other, to look at the decisions of our lives and funnel them through God's word and that we would be patient and kind and loving and to judge each other well for when we fall into sin. So yeah, as Christians, we are, but let me give you a little word of warning or, I don't know, maybe a way to think about it. We can get so upset with everything and, man, you know, we're not supposed to judge everybody. Well, hold on a minute. We're not supposed to judge unbelievers. Well, wait a minute. You may not have success. Why? Well, because they don't have the power to change. Are you understanding that? Let me just clarify for a moment that, you know, the the unbeliever that you're judging, uh, according to something they don't follow, they don't even have the power to change of the Holy Spirit. So just, I'm just asking. I'm not saying back off, and I'm not saying don't step in. I'm not saying. I'm just saying have the right expectation. They they don't have the power to change. That's why they need Jesus. That's why we need to share the gospel. Amen. And and then the other thing, they're not they're not operating off the same manual, man. Like what you're thinking is right and wrong, isn't what they're thinking is right and wrong. That's the world we're living in. So what does it mean to judge to discern, is, it means to, to judge well. And if you're thinking to yourself, man, I don't think I should post that. If that thought runs in your mind, let me be the one to be discerning for you and say, don't post it. If you never, I mean, you're just, if, if you're, and it's never occurred to you in a moment to not post something. You just, you never thought that. Then I'm telling you, don't post the next thing. <laughs> it, we need discernment. So two more. Good message so far? They're gonna come, two more characteristics are gonna come from chapter five, which is a song. So we're gonna do a quick overview. It's a song, and oftentimes songs are used by people like Moses and people like Mary in the New Testament, and they're used to remember what God has done. So I'm gonna sing this for you. (laughs) No, I'm kidding. But we're gonna take a quick look because there's two important characteristics that I see in the song. Discerning people give credit where credit is due. You, you can't miss it, I mean. It says it in verse two, I, I will bless the Lord. She's giving credit. She's got songwriting rights to this. And she says, I, I will sing to the Lord in verse three. I, I, will, I will make melody to him. She's giving credit to God. It, she does it in verse nine, I'll bless the Lord. She does it in verse 11. As she's giving the Lord the credit for the victory, I mean. I mean, that's what Deborah's doing. She's just giving credit to God. And that's what discerning people do. I don't often do this because I, I, I don't know. I, let me do a little Bible trivia. I don't do it because I'm not very good at it because I didn't grow up in the church. I never went to Sunday school. So I, let, me, let me try to, I, I don't do it very often. Let me ask you this. Who is listed in Hebrews chapter 11, what's considered oftentimes as the great hall of faith? This is like, man, these are the ones. Is it Deborah or Barak? It's not Deborah. It's Barak. He listed it. You say, whoa, is she a little upset? I mean, what's going on here? I mean, whoa, hold on. I mean, wasn't she the one that... No, I don't think she's upset at all. Because I think another characteristic of a discerning and respected leader is that they want to see other people achieve and do things and Get the glory. They're not looking for the spotlight. They want to put another person in the spot. I want to come alongside people. I want to help them achieve the dream, the desire, what God has placed them to do. And that's what Deborah did. She did it constantly for 40 years as people would come to her for advice and for counsel. And man, she didn't shine the spotlight on herself. And so no, I don't think she's upset she allowed other people to receive glory. She would lift up other people to gain places and to get recognition and to get acknowledgement and to do things that she didn't do herself. Because that's what discerning people do. They're willing to be used to lift others up, not push other people down. And lastly, discerning people, they they learn from the past. That's what we see going on here in the text. that's what we see in the song. That's why she wrote it, 31 verses. Learn from the past, don't forget. And so I'm gonna ask the worship team to come forward as they close. And I'm gonna ask you for a moment if you just put your Bibles down and stand with me as we close the service. Let me share this last verse in Judges chapter five, verse 31. Before we prepare our hearts to worship, it said the land had rest for 40 years So so some versions, it says peace. So Deborah's reign in the midst of this horror, it was rest, and it was peace. And so a discerning person brought rest and peace to the people of Israel for a long season. And that's what I'm asking of us, that we would bring rest, that we would bring peace. That's what discernment does, that it can be rest and peace to our homes, to our lives, to our communities, to our schools, to our church. That's what discernment brings, that's what's needed. That's why we started here with Deborah, because I want us to be discerning people, because our world is in desperate need of spiritual discernment, and God wants to use you and I to be the vessels to bring it to others. Do you believe me? He does. That's his desire. That's his game plan. So let's end with this. I told you, I'd go back to it. Here's the seven characteristics. And before we worship, do these define you? Are you a discerning person? I mean, let this be the thing, the characteristics. Are they true of you? See, it says that discerning people are sought out by others. Well, you know, nobody ever comes to me for counsel or advice. Nobody does. And so are you really that discerning? Maybe you're not as discerning as you think. Or are you assessing a situation and providing godly counsel from God's word? And and are you confirming? Man, we so much need to confirm other people and the direction that they're taking. Man, discerning people follow their own advice. Isn't it crazy that so many people give advice that they don't follow themselves? That's not a discerning person. And so as you run yourself through this list, just I'm asking that God would grow us in discernment in our church for our families because we need it. And then maybe, you know, a message like this, maybe you have a decision. There's a decision point and you need some discernment, some godly wisdom. We're going to have some leaders up front, please. I know we do this at the end of all of our services, but I'm going to take draw special attention that, that we'll have somebody down here to pray with you. Not that they have all the answers, but, but they would just pray for you that you'd get discernment. If you're going through a relational issue or you're going through a physical, emotional crisis, I mean, we've been in a time and a season, financial burden, we want to pray for the discernment that God wants to bring to your life. Father, your word says faith comes by hearing, hearing by the word of God. Father, I just ask that you would take away the words, my words, that are meaningless and senseless and that you would affirm and that you would echo your word to your people, that you would speak to them even in these closing moments. Is We want to be discerning people, Lord. We need your wisdom and guidance, Lord, to, to lead the people around us, to be in Christian community, to the parents here for their kids, for us as individuals in our workplace, and for that single adult, Lord, that is coming up with that decision point, that place in time, would, would you give them the discernment they need to take the step of faith that you desire? Lord, we're asking and we're blessing and we're calling out to you now that we're calling on you, that we will give you the credit, we will give you the praise. As discerning people, we will give you the glory that we seek you now, that we want to follow you. Would you lead us? I call out. If you agree with that prayer, say Amen.